0: Welcome to LLP, the Lawyer Life Podcast, where the personal, professional, and political intersect. Each week, we cover a topic to help ourselves and other lawyers navigate our days with a little less stress, and ideally, a lot more fulfillment. On today's episode, we talk burnout. In roundtable format, we analyze Anne Helen Peterson's article, How Millennials Became the Burnout Generation. I'm Mike Anderson.
1: And I'm Darlene Tonelli.
0: Little delay there, Darlene. Slow to the whatever draw this morning.
1: <laughs> that's how this is going to be. There's just going to be a slight delay and a little bit of extra slow thinking.
0: No, it must be because you're you're not a millennial like like me. I'm quick.
1: Based on our discussion, I'm supposed to be the non-burnt-out one in this equation, but oh, that's I don't know. true. I'm going to challenge that and demonstrate that that is not. <laughs> Millennials have no monopoly on this on this concept. But anyway. Yeah. yeah.
0: So we are uh, today going to talk about so this is a uh, BuzzFeed news article by Anne Helen Peterson uh, entitled How Millennials Became the Birdo Generation. It's got a ton of uh, uh, buzz. So the BuzzFeed mm-hmm. people must be excited. Uh, but it's provoked a lot of conversation. And we think it's actually uh, not only applicable for uh, lawyers generally, especially uh, some of the, the the younger folks practicing. And with that, we are bringing on one of those, you know, early on in their career, folks, Roselle Kim, who uh, I will actually bring on the conversation in a second. But before I do that, an introduction. So she is the in-house counsel at a fintech company, practiced for two years uh, in on Bay Street. Uh, She writes lifestyle and advice columns for Precedent Magazine, a publication we all know and love, uh, written on issues such as being racialized on Bay Street, the importance of uh, statements of privilege, things in that space. And she's been recognized, well-recognized, for her leadership and community involvement with diversity initiatives by being selected as a Civic Action Diversity Fellow in 2017. And that's a leadership program for emerging diverse leaders in the GTA region. So without further ado, Rizelle, how's it going?
2: Good morning. I'm doing well, thanks. Not too burnt out today. No? <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Anyway.
1: She was much faster on the draw. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I I only checked Instagram once when I woke up, so maybe that's why.
0: I'm on it right Dude. now, monitoring my brand. <laughs> so,
1: we, we all read this article as sort of a tour de force of explaining some of the the things that most people in this generation can relate to. But um, also, I would say as the uh, one of the dynamics on this podcast is that I'm not a millennial and uh, I guess I'm technically Gen X. But when I read this article, I also saw just some things that I think are plaguing the world and, and all generations, too. So I would just say that I, I agree with all of those you know, those were the top points in the article. And I think that there's going to be a lot more said about this article because there's already been some really good response to it in slate and in the guardian. And I mean, it's fair to say it went viral, even by any, by any standard, this is a very, very um, well circulated article. So when we decided to talk about it on this article or on this podcast today, we really each came to it with an interesting perspective of our own. So um, I'm, Potentially going to bring the uh, the older older generation perspective to it, um, even though I've got some millennial leanings for sure. Um, Mike, what was your big takeaway from the article?
0: Well, I think you know to to, to kick it off, I th- it starts with this idea of air and paralysis, and I haven't heard that phrase before, and it and it grabbed me immediately. And why is it that? these like this these tiny tasks which are annoying certainly but not impossible why are those remaining on my list just uh, like they do it sounds like for a lot of folks and then w- w- as you get going you start to see these like structural reasons why we are uh, burnt out exhausted tired and and can't keep up uh, seemingly with the expectations we have for ourselves or uh, the expectations that you know are, are placed upon us for economic and other reasons. so um, I, for me it was cathartic. it was it was reading it uh, let me know that you know this the experience that I'm having uh, is not necessarily unique and then outlining why I, I'm feeling that way and seeing it all um, you know on the screen in this instance was really, helpful. And then ultimately, the question is, you know, what do we do? And I know we'll get to that at the end. So does any, I was curious, because I have some examples of air and paralysis, but do you either of you have air and paralysis examples in your life?
1: Oh, my gosh. Roselle, perhaps you should start so that I don't take up the whole podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. So one of the examples in the article, uh, Peterson talks about this woman who's had a like something to mail that's been sitting in her room. And there's literally been something that I've been meaning to send to someone s- since December. Like I meant to send it as a Christmas present and I'm ashamed to say it's still sitting in my living room. And I just Perhaps can't a, seem to bring a Valentine's myself.
1: Valentine's present?
2: Yeah, maybe at this point <laughs> it might be better suited for that. I was going to say happy new year present. Like on Christmas day, I said, I'll send it as a happy new year gift, but it's now January. So just, um, getting pushed and pushed even further.
1: Right. I bet you thousands of people who read that article looked at a package or something sitting in their their living room or kitchen as they were reading this article that needed to be dealt with. Yeah. I read a a different article this morning that called it death by minutia to-do list. And I thought that's a really good way to explain it too. And, you know, consistent with what we're talking about today, because her example which people will laugh at but she was trying to save time by having a uh, food delivery service one of those meal kits and so her point was it kind of saves time in that you don't have to do groceries and things like that and and people nowadays are always looking to save time and arguably millennials in particular and she basically said that um It becomes a to-do to manage the scheduling and the cancellations of this meal kit, which adds a half an hour here. And what occurred to me was just nothing has changed about things take time, you know? And I I think that for me, when I have Aaron paralysis, this is the mental calculus. And I think lawyers will relate to this. And um, you guys can tell me how millennials relate to it. But when I think about going to the dry cleaner, which is my big issue, (laughs) cannot make it there. I... Just sort of calculate like, do I? What is it worth to me to go to the dry cleaner? You know, is what is it going to take away from? What is it going to add to my life? And that's what I related to in the article because she basically says there's no payoff to these tasks. And when you when you operate in a world where you're sort of virtually working or trying to be available to family or other more important values. You know, maybe it's not that important to do the stuff on the to do list. That's kind of what I came to. Like, I don't get to it immediately because it's not that important.
0: Yeah. Or it's it's often the thing that you need to do for yourself um, and as opposed to something that other people are expecting you to do. Like, I, I know certainly I get done, and this applies professionally and, and personally otherwise. I, I get done the stuff that other people expect me to get done. The stuff that I'm mm-hmm. you know, on my air and paralysis list is the stuff that really is just for me. Because I'm mm-hmm. the only one affected. The other thing, as well, that I think about Aaron paralysis is that, like, the way that we interact with things now causes us so to have to engage in so many small, annoying tasks. Um, and, like, for example, I, there's a great comedian who did a bit about like how we're all of our, our own tech service now. Like, when something goes wrong <laughs> with our phone or an app or something on our our, our computer, that becomes our burden to fix it you know and, and so um it, it just feels like certainly technology uh, uh, new evolutions are helpful but also it's really it was way easier 30 40 years ago you had a book you had a phone and you had a pen you know uh, and that's uh, that those were the things that you interacted with at work and generally otherwise and and a printed newspaper and isn't that great and now it's like oh the uh, the ipad i want to get the news in the morning but so i'll have to have that charged up and also uh, you know my daughter wants to you know we're, we're gonna have to play something for in the car and so i like, download something on there and then oh the wi-fi is not working and so i have to go fix the wi-fi but oh now actually it's the router's outdated so i have to go get a new router but that means i have to change the passwords <laughs> on every single one of my like a- a- apple tv things and everybody phone and then the guests uh, I'll have to put. Oh my
1: God, Mike, you sound so burned out.
0: (laughs) And that's just an iPad and getting news on it, you know? And it's so it's, I just feel like we're servicing so many things in our lives uh, that it, it, you know, ultimately then the question is, do I even need to read the news? No. And then, you know, it feels, then you feel bad about yourself and blah, 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 spiral, spiral, spiral. Too much?
1: (laughs) No, it's perfect. You know, it's funny because um, I've had a recent experience of the clash of generations on this point, because um, when I was on maternity leave, my mom came to stay with me, and she, when I was a kid, um, was a stay-at-home mom.
2: Yeah, so something that struck me in the article was how gender plays into this idea of a burnout too, and Peterson sort of talks Mm -hmm. about women being the manager of their households for most part, and that leads to an increased mental load, that leads to more burnout, and something that struck me in the article was her citing a statistic that said that women who work still spend just as much time taking care of their children as stay-at-home mothers did in 1975. And right. like you said, Darlene, like time is you know becoming ever more scarce for women. And I don't have children, so I don't have personal experience with that. But I've certainly seen people that I work with deal with, sort of trying to manage, you know, the like the school shots and making sure everybody was fed and dressed and going to school, like all the different deadlines and tasks that they had to take care of and everybody in their household on top of themselves. And just thinking about it makes me feel tired because sometimes when I make a lunch for myself, that's like a really good day for me. So (laughs) I, I, I guess that really makes me sound like a millennial of like, can't do a simple errand of feeding myself, but
1: but I don't know that it is because I think you when when I read that article I just think I think millennials are just forced to make a calcul. and I think we should asterisk Mike uh, will require this and um, you know we don't we try not to generally put paint millennials with uh, one brush and that's why I've been kind of cautious to say that. I feel sometimes a bit millennial, even though I'm from before the millennial generation, because of just the pace of life in in the lifestyle that I've I've chosen and the f- the fluidity of it. Um, but it, you know, not everyone is the same, obviously, in this camp. And there may be people from this generation who don't at all relate to this article. But hopefully, uh, hopefully, people can take that into account when we're speaking about it. But um, I definitely think that the whole um, millennial experience painted here is just they're making calc they're forced to make calculations about how to spend their time in a way that previous generations have not been um they haven't had the breadth of things uh i think almost option paralysis too right like that's what yes. i kind of took on this article like it's full yeah. free will now you can you can be i mean with an asterisk obviously and um rizal you should definitely speak to this because uh there's more to say. But the idea is, in theory, there's more opportunity than ever for career advancement. It's not only men who work, for example. Um, There are all these different careers. It's not, you know, when you go to the guidance counselor, hopefully, they're not still just telling you about the four or five careers that most people do. There's just so much to choose from. And that's, that's its own tough thing. Great, but tough.
2: Yeah, and I think it it really contributes to this idea of like a race to the bottom because, you know, as as I briefly mentioned before, this idea of like the gig economy that we have and jobs are more scarce. And even in in the legal field, which is like a fairly privileged field, we have a articling problem. And also, what might be unique to our generation is that. There's this idea that your job should not only be well compensated and stable, but it should also be fulfilling, that like you should love what you do. And I've, and that's, you know, the part of the option paralysis as well, that you always think there might be something better for you out there. And you're always searching and striving that things that you're doing doesn't seem to be good enough, like you're filling a jar that has a hole in the bottom and that you keep trying to fill it, but it's, it just never gets Full in a way that you think it should be full.
1: I think that's such a good analogy, the jar that you keep putting putting into and it just goes out the bottom and doesn't doesn't ever get more full. What about here's a thought that I had after listening to you guys talk about this. Um, is it that so one of the things that that both of you I think went through generationally is that you you came up through school at a time when the messaging that you received from parents and education educational institutions, it was, you must excel at everything, or you will never get a job. But what I'm interested in is, you know, is it true that, like, is that a true statement that you have to be a super overachiever? Or is it just a feeling that everybody has?
0: What's happening, I think, with our generation, is that we, uh, many people were brought up with that, like, to get to the top of all of these type A, really, you know, involved people, you have to do more. Uh, to get a job in that in that environment, you have to do more. We're seeing that it's really hard to be at the top of something, and necessarily when you get there it you don't get the payoff that society effectively promised you at some point
1: so that's so interesting because um Roselle, you can you talk to um the point about you know the fact that this idea that you work hard and there's a payoff
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know is that true too for, is that true for everybody?
2: Um, generationally?
1: Like in our parents' generation, was it true for everyone that you could work hard and you would be on easy street?
2: I mean, I think that's definitely the, uh, the mainstream idea of what baby boomers got, you know, that they got housing security and they got retirement benefits. But I think one pushback that I read, which I thought was interesting, was that cert- there were there weren't really baby boomers in certain groups. Like if you were a racialized person, or if your parents were immigrants, then I think you didn't really get to enjoy those things. Um, and one, uh, one of the narratives that I read, uh, there was a follow-up piece to the Burnout article where um, BuzzFeed collected sort of uh, responses from 16 different people who identified as millennial and they asked them to write a reflection. And I just wanted to read uh, one of them where this woman said, as a Black woman, I feel as though I was born tired. Every woman in my family has always worked since adolescence until the day they died. That's the one thing I think is always missing from conversation about women in the workplace. To middle-class white women, work still seems somewhat of a novelty. I'm an elementary school teacher. My mother was a social worker. My grandmother was a teacher and her mother was a slave. I was born burnt out. So that to me sort of, you know, signals that maybe this idea of like the generational divide is only um, accessible or only applicable to certain certain groups, uh, certain racial groups, but also certain geographical, or it depends on your geographical location as well. And in order to be burnt out, you need to have come from a place where you weren't burnt out before, right? So that alone, like framing this as a burnout might also signal the fact that um, people who feel burnt out have a certain kind of privilege that other people are just trying to survive?
1: Well, I think that's such an important point, because when you mentioned it, for me, it opened up a real, you know, I feel like a lot of people are talking about this issue, but there's not a lot of real clarity on how to solve it. Like, where do we go from here, right? And when you mentioned that point, I thought, you know, the truth is that in my parents' generation it was still true that there were certain groups that had no access to the the benefits of the capitalist system right like not to sound like too much of a uh anyway um, marxist or something i'm not just mentioning capitalism like the idea that if you work hard you make more money let's boil it down to that um and what i'm realizing with the millennial generation so and people even younger than millennials i guess is I think that just the access to the, the real benefits of that system have actually shrunken over time, right? It's actually fewer people who um, can, like, yes, women can access it more. Yes, um, there has been some, some progress on access to, um, you know, top jobs and things like that for people who are racialized or came from first-generation um, immigrant parent families. But, you know, there's a lot of room to move But there are a lot of people who thought they would have access to the system who don't. And I think that that is a major social problem. And when I read that article, I thought, you know, this is a political platform because there are real issues in here. It's not the people. It's not, and she does make this point in her article. She says, you know, we we as millennials feel like it's our fault. Like we're not doing enough yoga. We're not going inside. We're not like finding our passion. I don't think that's it. I think it's, part of it I think that the advance the opportunity is Millennials don't accept um, the same things that parents did right so Michelle Obama talks in her book becoming about how when she got her big fancy law firm job on um, in DC I think it was she was totally miserable and her mom was like why do you think that you your misery matters like you have a great, gig here. You have money, you have a nice car. What more do you need? And sort of blankly looking at her, right? And I think it's a good thing to want to value your day and your time. That's a good thing. But it's not good if you can't make a living at it. You know, So I almost feel like there's a mismatch between where the world is and what they're telling everybody and where, you know, um, the payoff is. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I also wonder whether, medium, like, like Instagram, and how, uh, how the way that we understand the world has become so much more visual, um, kind of relates to this feeling of a burnout. Because I think what it does is like, it condenses uh, complicated narratives into just like very glossy shots, or you just kind of perceive stories as nicely curated photos, or short clips that you watch. And, I often I sometimes wonder about what effect that has on my own brain too where you know the the process a lot of the process of trying to get somewhere uh that like is is lost or we don't often see the struggling or the you know the time that we spend sort of being lost and trying to get to where we want to go and you all you see is the result or like all you see is like the picture of success and you don't really know the backstory or even if you know that the shot is, you know, curated and photoshopped, I think it still has an effect of why am I not there? Or why doesn't my life look like that every day? So I think the, uh, there's like a disparity or the, you know, this distinction between what's real and what's not. And also just this like, hypervisualized representation of our lives uh, doesn't really help to understand the structural issues that are much much deeper.
0: Yeah, I totally agree and it's and what's interesting is you've these structural issues that make quote unquote success kind of an impossibility, but you see the success online in these pictures. And so your house has to look like a like an Instagram dollhouse everywhere because you see everybody's places and you have to have cool
1: vacations and blah, blah, blah. And do the best workouts. Yeah. And do the Sorry. best workouts. Yes. Yeah. Be in perfect physical form. Well, I think it ties nicely and we'll, we'll wrap it up with this kind of uh, tying it back to the mission of the lawyer life podcast, because I think that um, the reason I'm so interested in trying to figure out the solution to this problem is just that, you know, what we're trying to do is help lawyers, you know, navigate their day with a little less stress and more fulfillment. And what I've observed so far is that most of my stress comes from having not having something that I either think I should have, or that I feel um, is necessary to a happy life based on some form of advertising that I've received, whether that advertising came from a corporation in a in a real ad, or, you know, a friend's house, like you said, Mike, that is really Um, Next level, and I think that where I've come to partially just because of the, it's almost like the reverse. It's like I've chosen the path that I want to be on in life, and it it comes with certain realities. um, In that, you know, I haven't prioritized the uh, making of income to the expense of my personal health and and well being, and accordingly, lifestyle shrinks a little bit. And not, you know, I'm privileged in the in the fact that I was able to buy a house in Toronto before things became crazy and stuff like that. So, um, you know, with a little bit of a caveat, um, I don't know what the I don't know what the the current path to that is. But I know that for me, it started with the thinking process, and it started with a rejection of. Really, the glamour of it. I don't know. Maybe it was working at a record label and sort of coming up close with glamour that had, I had only seen from afar um, before. Um, and so I don't know that it's like everyone's experience is going to be different. But I think that what I see and what I hear from what you guys are saying is you've got perfect information. And the point that we're always trying to make is now we need wisdom. You know, this is the Google generation, this is the Instagram generation. And so we can't just passively accept what we're fed whether it's by a friend or by an advertiser, you know, without saying, well, what does this mean for me? You know, does this mean I need to uh, go be a partner at a firm to make sure my house looks like this? I don't know. To me, it's like, it's the, it's the connections. So anyway, I really thank you guys for sharing this. And uh, we may have to have another episode on, on the issue of, of specifically this might be a we need, might need a follow-up
0: you, We could do a whole series on this i feel there's a there's a ton here but I, I think that your your point is well taken darlene and we'll add it to our laundry list of things to do we'll look uh, introspectively <laughs> figure out our life's values and goals <laughs> uh and then reshape our entire life to to do so I, it sounds oh, I, and i say that in jest like it sounds uh near impossible but that's the point of especially your blog series and a lot of the things that we cover here today is that uh on the on the podcast uh generally is that it it is possible to get out of this spiral down you know um and as mark sakamoto said last week it's really easy when you're spiraling down to continue to spiral down and when you're spiraling up to continue to spiral up and what you know if if people feel like they're spiraling downward then we you know it's important to take a step back and reset and see why that is and try to eliminate the stuff that's causing you to move that way. Sounds good. The Lawyer Life Podcast is brought to you by Inter Alia Law. experienced legal counsel when and where you need us. To learn more about Inter Alia, visit the website... That's spelled I-N-T-E-R-A-L-I-A-Dash-Law.com. Thank you. And we are back to talk about our goods. Goods are things we want to support. And thanks to Mark Sakamoto's advice last week, we will no longer gripe, even though some of today's episode was Lots of griping, um, mostly by me. Okay, so Rizelle, is there anything that you would like to qualify as good and support on this podcast?
2: For sure. So my first book of 2019 was uh, a book called I'm Afraid of Men by Vivek Shreya, who's a Calgary-based artist. And it's hard to describe what the book was, but I would say it's sort of blurring the genres of memoir, gender theory, and manifesto on exploring, you know, what toxic masculinity means, which is a topic that's been on the media lately. Uh, and Shreya sort of explores it by talking about her child childhood as a brown queer teenager who didn't really fit in and then coming out as trans and the, you know, the treatment that she received and the threats that she's felt and how we can work towards sort of breaking down these gender stereotypes and I found it really moving, uh, really personal uh, and really touching and sometimes really funny as well. So highly recommend. It's only 50 pages or so. Uh, So it's a quick read and and a good read.
0: That's great. You're good. Uh, in in uh, some ways, dovetails with with mine, um, and and my good is was uh, new perspectives and, and and acknowledging your blind spots. And um, there's a Globe mail article that came out, uh, so January eighth, by Andrew Clark, uh, entitled "Why Some Women Feel Fear." The self service gas station. This all was from a Twitter conversation from one man whose partner, a female, never would always bring the car back with an empty tank and it was a problem in their relationship and cause arguments until one day she told him why. Um, And I had no idea about the kind of regular instances of verbal abuse, harassment. That uh, women incur at gas stations, and and you know, reading a book like that for uh, us gentlemen would be great because we can start to understand where we have blind spots.
1: Totally, I my good is a little bit less substantial, which is interesting because normally I have the uh, concern for the future of the world, uh, good and grape, um, but I I just want to say good for um lady gaga music (laughs) i really like that she's got this uh the star is born movie and the one thing that um i'm we have a a group of our our law school friends are going to do a movie night this week so we're looking up all the different movies and it's fair to say that as most of us are fairly new parents we don't get out to movies really ever so it was a little bit of a novelty and I was looking at *Stars Born and, and looking at this great musical, listening to the music. And I am hoping to go see A Star is Born if I can find it in the theater still. But uh, yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. It's, it's a good, she, she makes some good music and is doing always interesting things and being her own authentic self uh, most of the time.
0: Great. Okay. So Roselle, thank you so much for joining us. It was our first roundtable discussion and uh, you're so wonderful to give us your time. And so thank you
1: thanks for having me yes thank you so much
0: okay that does it for this week i guess we will talk soon that's it for this week's episode of llp thanks to inter alia law for presenting the podcast and to nick fowler for composing and performing our music see our show notes for his website don't forget we love feedback please comment in the review section or subscribe or like we'd appreciate it greatly that's it talk soon